0: just thought I should say, brother, somebody in Fiji is able tonight, or today, to hear choosing of a bride, because brother Peter had it loaded up to the hub. And so right as of now, they can, choosing of a bride. Isn't that wonderful? And, uh, brother's not here this evening, but uh, brother Esterhausen, Esterhausen, he is the one who's inspired the people to do it. Yes. And I think that's so wonderful. And you sitting here, when we thank the Lord, when we praise Him for it, you don't know what's going out from here. Yes, exactly. Somebody yes. is giving the time and the sacrifice everything. And this man's going to be on the plane tomorrow, going overseas. I'm glad it's you, not me. Amen. Well, on that note,
1: (laughs) it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Someone said to me before the service, said, they're working you right up to the end, right up till you leave. I said, that's already missionary mode. You just preach and then you get on the plane (laughs) and uh, so we're glad to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight amen I I appreciate your prayers and I appreciate your prayers this week it's a little bit different of an arrangement uh, for the meetings Uh, when I by the time I land which will be Wednesday night Thursday we will be meeting all day with about 300 ministers and elders that are new to the message uh, that's on Thursday and uh, so you just remember that that's they come mostly from the Pentecostal ranks and uh, and so they're all new to the message and so we're we're going to spend a day with them and uh, just remember us in prayer they've said 300 uh, that's what they've said. a lot of times it ends up to me a whole lot more than that. so we'll just see what the Lord has in store and then the next day on Friday, we'll be meeting with 200 other ministers and wives that have come into the message mostly from the baptist realms and so that'll be the next day so over the course of two days that's about 500 ministers uh that have come into the message in the last year and a half praise be to god they're hungry for the word the word that that you've been feeding on and then on the weekend we have a meeting at in jinja and not sure what the number will be there but it's because they heard the word that it quickened their hearts you know and they heard it in their language brother peter you know you never know where that's going to go And Brother Heisen has has written, him and his son Stefan have written a program that make it easy to translate on a line by line basis. And it's uh, it's a very nice program. I wish it was available offline because then I could take it and give it to translators who couldn't access the internet, but you have to have access to the internet. And uh, sometimes we go through things because God wants to use us maybe in a different way than we thought. And I know Brother peter has been through a real battle. And God's given him the victory. But in the midst of that battle, he gave glory to God. And he didn't let the devil get him down. And how many messages have you translated now, Brother Peter? Fifteen. My, fifteen messages in the Fijian language. That's glorious. I I say praise be to God for that. And we're thankful for each and every translator, each and every message. There's probably... I don't know the numbers that are going up every month since I got back from India. The upload of the translations in India have just exploded in several different languages. And we're very thankful we've just activated the Tamil language on the uh, message hub mobile application. And so that's now available uh, on people's cell phones and so many things happening. And and when I get back from Africa, I'm not going to bring you a missions report. I'm going to bring you the revival. Brother uh, Fred Chinji is going to come uh, back from Uganda. Lord willing, be with us uh, the weekend after I get back. And uh, so you don't get a missions report, you get the missions. <laughs> Amen. You're going to hear it right from the man who's been in the center of it, in the center of thousands of of baptisms and so much you'll just love brother fred you can't help but love him i don't think brother kim is here tonight but he's just got an outstanding way about him and he's just been a real real servant of god he's a true testimony that in weakness god's strength is made perfect it was a couple of years ago that he almost died and uh he's a severe diabetic and uh, God has not seen to take that away from him. But in the midst of his weakness, God pours his strength in there. And uses him to a great extent in that country. So you'll be looking forward to that. That'll be on April the 28th at the end of the month. Amen. Are you glad to be here tonight? Yes. Amen. Well, we'll try and keep it as short as possible. So you don't pull on the word. Just keep quiet. And uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. And if you do that, it'll be short. But you pull as much as you feel led to. Let's take our Bibles. Thank you, musicians. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <laughs> How's that for a different start? <laughs> at least they didn't at least you didn't all say amen when I said that. Second Corinthians chapter 3. One of the things I should just mention while you're praying about. Uh, this trip that we're embarking on tomorrow I'll also say Brother Jonathan Frey is coming with uh, with me to Uganda for the second time And Michael Diaz is getting his baptism of fire for the first time in Uganda And uh, so they're going to be on the journey with me But one of the big burdens of this trip You can imagine if almost 20,000 people are baptized There's a lot of needs And there are also a lot of wants And God has promised to meet our needs and my, one of my main focus on this trip is, besides the ministry, is to be able to prioritize and and uh, get in order the needs that are very real amongst the people. Uh, for various different things, whether it be uh, books that are currently being printed. We just shipped 2,000 English language church age books into the country. They've just received those. The purchase of Bibles or whether we need to print Bibles, uh, MP3 players, uh, Luganda language books, Runya language message books, or... Uh, also a number as you know have been have been expelled from their denominational churches because they no longer toe to the denominational line and the, the the established religious organizations have said you can't have the building anymore and so many congregations are gathering under a tree and so uh, we want to see what God will do for them also so remember all those things in prayer that God will give us wisdom above all we need the wisdom of the Lord let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Wonderful Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to come before your throne tonight because we serve a living God. There's none like you, Lord. We don't have words to express our feelings, and we could go on preaching all night, and it would never suffice for these language, these tongues, these, this way that we speak, Lord, is insufficient for the great eternal being that you are but we want to say that we love you we love your word we love when you draw near and reveal yourself to us individually as we heard recently you are a personal god that comes to us individually lord and we pray that you'll just take complete control of the service tonight give divine unction lord for uh, human human bodies have a limited capacity for endurance and so we have just a space of time and lord may you fit into this space of time everything that you want to lord we pray father that you'll just come and bring us into a supernatural atmosphere and dimension tonight is you are present. We don't want to sit in the natural realm. We want you to lift lift us up into heavenly places in Jesus Christ. As you did this morning, Lord, revealing your word. Once more tonight, Lord, may you just discern every heart, every thought, every intent and direct this service the way you want it to go, Lord. We yield ourselves to you. We surrender whatever notes we have to you. Just direct us in your perfect will, we pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. I'm going to read verse 3 again, if you don't mind it says, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 32 and look at that tables of stone. Exodus 32 and verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mount and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. And on one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. Amen. The Lord has a blessing to the word. You may be seated. If you just hold your Bibles there in Exodus thirty-two, we'll come back to it. I have a lot of scripture uh, on my in my notes, and I may not turn to very much of it just to save time. Like I said, we we want to just uh, be productive with our time tonight. And, and we've been dealing uh, lately with uh, the thought of revelation, and we're, we're somewhat continuing in that as we speak about revelation and how that, you know, this situation here, this was the beginning. We realized that Moses began the writing of the Bible. Moses wrote the book of Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And, and so all of the record there came from Moses' hands. So Moses began the Bible that we are, uh, recipients of in this hour. So before Moses, uh, Abraham didn't have a Bible. Are you with me? Alright, these saints of old didn't have a Bible in their day and, but God spoke with them and revealed himself to them and, and so Moses' experience on Mount Sinai was a tremendously supernatural and unexpected experience. It wasn't something that God had ever done before as he began to reveal himself to Israel as God had had prepared them over the course of 400 years for this experience as he had spoken 400 years earlier to Abraham and said "Your your people will sojourn in a strange land and after 400 years or 400 years from the time he was speaking I'll bring them out with a mighty hand and Moses was the mighty hand of God and God would meet them on the mountain he would give Moses a commission and say now go down he met him on mount Sinai and said now go down and deliver Israel and bring them back to this mountain and I will speak to you so we see Moses going up on the mountain meeting with God beginning in chapter 20 if you want to read God speaking to Moses read from chapter 20 of Exodus to chapter 32 and and the experience that Moses has on the mountain and it all culminates now with Moses coming down from the mountain to the table with the tables of stone which would end up in the ark in the tabernacle for a very reason because it was representing something and so now i'm going to take a big jump and say now in jesus day they looked back to that in jesus day they said we have moses and so they they declared they were taught these things they they were taught that they were the chosen people. They were the ones that received the law of God. They were the ones that, that were particularly selected of God through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, to be a priesthood on the earth and a nation of priests, and that would, would be the recipients and the caretakers of the Word of God. And so as we come down to the time of Jesus, and in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked the disciples, and say, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, he sa- and they say, Well, some say you're Jeremiah, and some say you're Elijah, and some say you're, you're another prophet, and some say this and that. And, and Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you were not taught this. But my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. And upon this rock, and I'm paraphrasing just to save time, but upon this rock, the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ, personally to you, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that's chapter sixteen of Revelation, or of Matthew rather, and chapter seventeen now. The disciples go up to or Peter and John and James uh, uh, go up on Mount Transfiguration, and there Jesus is transfigured before them up on the mountain. And, and Peter sees and John sees uh, there's Moses and there's Elijah. And there's Jesus, and Peter's idea is, you know, let's build three tabernacles, one to Moses, one to Elijah, and one to Jesus. But they they were overshadowed by a cloud, and the voice came from the cloud and said, "This is my beloved Son; hear ye him." All right, so so this is not looking back and anymore and saying we have Moses. Alright, now you have to understand this might have, must have been, and I'll just say it this way, excuse me if I use these words tonight, but this might have, must have been quite a head scrambler for the Jews, especially the disciples, who did never did forsake Jesus, but as they, as it was revealed to them that they were living in another hour, that what they had been taught, the sons of Zebedee, which had been taught by their father Zebedee, you know, when the Messiah comes, and he'll be like this. And they saw that in Jesus, and they, they saw the representation there. It's still, they still had a lot of teaching. Now remember, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. So they still had a lot of teaching that had him ingrained in them from Moses. And so now here they are up on Mount Transfiguration, and they see Moses, the one that was on the mountain the one that received the tables come on the one who 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 brought 10 plagues on egypt the one who god used to open the red sea the one who brought water from the rock the one who told them they'd have manna from heaven all these kinds of things that that were now uh, uh ingrained in their minds this great man moses and god just comes down and say and says now don't look to moses This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. What a pivot they had to make. I'll use the word pivot. From law to grace. From Moses to Jesus Christ. And the only way they could do it is by revelation. The Pharisees couldn't do it. The learned couldn't do it. The 5,000 couldn't do it. The 70 couldn't do it. But here was 12, and particularly Peter and John up on the mountain. And as they're up there, they're, they're seeing the revelation of what's taking place, and God speaking directly with them, that this was the sacrifice that was the fulfillment of the law. It, but it wasn't the end. Uh, we could say the law and the prophets were until John, but now... God speaks through Jesus Christ. Wasn't that he did away with the office of a prophet. But he's referring to what Israel had looked to. We have the law and the prophets. Yeah, they were until John. But now, hear ye him. But now receive this word. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Not the Lamb that was introduced in Eden. Jesus, the high priest. Not the high priest that was introduced in Exodus. Are you with me? Under the law. Jesus, the Word made flesh. Not the Word that was delivered on Mount Sinai, but now the Word made flesh. If we're in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Amen. Amen. Not a prophet on a mountain receiving tables of stone, but now the Word was tabernacled amongst them. What a glorious hour. What a time. Jesus, speaking to actually the devil, quotes Moses. And when the devil says, you're hungry, turn these stones into bread, because you're hungry. If you be the son of God, you got the power to do it. And Jesus answered and said, it's written. He's referring to Moses. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now Moses had, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I'll just give you these scriptures if you want to write them down, you can read them later. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses spoke to the children of Israel and he said, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know. In other words, (laughs) I got to be careful here. Someone was talking in the office there on this subject, but I'll just say it had a flavor they had never tasted before. And so, as the manna came down, it had kind of the flavor of honey. And, and so, they began to eat this, but they weren't brought up on this taste. And so, they began to loathe it, but God did that for a certain reason. And so, now he says, "...suffered you to hunger, fed you with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know," this is the reason for it, "...that man does not live by bread only." But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. Amen. So Moses now declaring that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So now, now here's life. The, the devil says, you're hungry, your body needs food. Speak, and the stones will turn to bread. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Referring back to Moses and the humility of a wilderness journey and all of the things that Israel had went through. And then Jesus brings Israel to a statement in John chapter 6 where he says, It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. He says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, And they are life now he's not referring to God's Word which is life or man shall live by every word from God but now he's saying the words that I speak they are life they are spirit so in other words if you if you can receive it what I'm speaking to you is the very Word of God Amen. I'm speaking to you the very thing that you need to live by. And that same Jesus could say, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you, and all of these hard sayings that they had to deal with. But then I want to go a step further than that, because now we see the Word of God as being life. Man shall live by every word, and Jesus speaking the Word. But now I'll go to Revelation chapter 10, which we're all familiar with. Are you with me? All right. I'm sorry I go fast and I need to take a breath once in a while so you can give your mind a breath. But John over in Revelation chapter 10, he says, it says, the voice which I heard, verse 8, which I heard from heaven, let's turn to this one. Revelation chapter 10. Familiar to us, but it would do us good to look at it. Let's start at verse one. I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. All right. Now remember the book of Revelation is a book of symbols. John is seeing these things in vision. He's not seeing them in reality. So God is showing him a vision with symbols that represent things. And so here's an angel with a rainbow overhead. So he knows the rainbow is a covenant. This is the covenant angel. This is none other than Christ himself. All right. So he's just hidden himself. Just like we go to Revelation 5 where John says, I turned and I saw the lamb. Uh, But it wasn't actually a lamb. It was Jesus Christ. The lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so, so that lamb in Revelation 5 is now the angel in Revelation 10. Alright, you with me so far? He says, and he had his hand, in his hand a little book open and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth, cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars and when he had cried seven thunders uttered their voices. Alright, so all of these symbols, a loud voice when a lion roars because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he cries seven thunders out their voices, what are thunders? Thunders, the voice of God revealing the mysteries of God. And so these are the mysteries contained in the seven seals, which was opened in Revelation five. We won't go into all that, but when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel, which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him. Him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. That's this day. The days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants the prophets. Alright, so let's just catch here now. He's saying there's mysteries contained in the seven thunders which sounded because the lion roared. Alright, and so all of these mysteries, but he says, are not to be revealed now, John don't write them, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, or the messenger to the seventh church age, when he begins to sound, these mysteries will be finished. Alright, so it was pertaining to the book that he had in his hand. Is that right? The book was now open. It was not closed as it was in Revelation chapter 5 with seven seals. So now the book being open, and what I wanted to get to was verse 8 here. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake to me and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went to the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. This was not previously available. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, this will be available. But John in the vision is seeing himself receive a commandment as a type of the bride of the last days. And so receiving this commandment is go and take the book. And he, he says, uh, and, he, and so he went, and says, give me the book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Now man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Therefore, this had to be word from God himself. Amen. It was word to live by. God in the last days was sending his church a revelation that she would not just hear it, but she would live by it. It would be spirit in life. It would be bread for this age. It would be like honey. It would be like, um, it will be sweet as honey. But he says, it'll make thy belly bitter. And so it has a certain flavor to it, actually similar to the description of manna. But it's for the last days. And it will be for a specific people to take it and eat it. With me so far? All right. Now, Moses going up, I hope you still have Exodus 32 or maybe your finger in there or something, or Exodus chapter 32, as Moses going up to Mount Sinai to originally get the original tablets of stone, actually these tablets were a representation of the hearts of the people. Did you know that? Because that's what God was going to deal with here. Because in the Scriptures just before that, Exodus chapter 32, I want you to notice as God begins to tell Moses in verse 7. It says, The Lord said unto Moses, Get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made a molten calf and have worshipped it, sacrificed unto it. These And said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make thee of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does thy wrath wax hot against thy people? Which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. What a what an intercession that Moses is making for these stiff necked people. All right, and he and he says. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they will inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So now imagine Moses identifying that those stones represented their hearts. He didn't do it. But what if he had done it? Because Brother Branham, uh, taking the thought of in the ark being the tablets, he says the Ten Commandments, as we call them, he says that represented the human heart. So it was a stony heart that was being represented here of the nation of Israel. And how God knew what kind of a people they were, that he was going to put his law into their midst. And it would be like engraving his word on tablets of stone. Because they have stony hearts. And it was something that, that the Old Testament or the Old Covenant could not change. Because we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We come into the world speaking lies. We're born with a corrupt nature. And we need a change. We can't have the word written on stony hearts. Because God can write his word anywhere. But the word written on stony hearts will not produce the entire redemptive purpose of God. All right. So then Ezekiel. And I'm going through some scriptures here now just to bring us back to our thought. But Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25. Again, I'll just read it. But because it's familiar to it. And Ezekiel, God begins to reveal a new covenant. He says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Amen. So now we see the redemptive purpose of God becoming clear because he's dealing with a nation with stony hearts, but he's saying there's, comes a, there's coming a time where I will take away the stony heart and I will put a heart of flesh in there because I've got, I've got a purpose in doing that. So that's the scripture, the thought that Paul picks up in Corinthians as we read to begin our our thought tonight is that God begins to reveal to Paul, he says, you are... You are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. This is a powerful statement. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Amen. So the new covenant is no longer a law written in stony hearts. In other words, what he was referring to is Israel's is a stiff necked people. They got stony hearts. They're stubborn. And they, you know, they're, they're a people that, 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 you know, I'll give them my law. They'll hold my law for generation upon generation. They'll keep my law, but it won't change them, but they'll know my law. And they'll know what's right to do. And they'll know the right sacrifices. And they'll know the law. And and Paul spoke about it. Unto Israel pertains the law. Unto Israel pertains the ordinances. Unto Israel pertains the adoption. All of these things that God was going to do them. But in a stony heart, it could not produce the effect it was meant to produce. So he says, there's coming a time when I will take out the stony heart. And I'll put a heart of flesh in you. I will put a flesh that is able to be written on not like stone, not with ink, neither with a chisel or by the supernatural hand of God in some piece of stone. But now it will be written supernatural by the preaching of the Word. Are you with me so far? All right. Now when Adam fell... Think about this now: Adam, who had communion with God in the Garden of Eden, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. He was still sensitive even after he fell, because he, they sensed God was moving in the garden in the cool of the evening, and they hid themselves. They knew exactly, It was no surprise to them. But yet, in the fall, Adam lost that nature of being tender towards God. Of being sensitive to His leading. And being connected to His Father. Listen. This is where I'm going tonight. God wants you to have a tender heart towards Him. We could close right now. If if we were there. But we need to hear some more word on that. But God doesn't want you... To, to say, you know what? I've learned the message. I, I, I've, I understand what it's all about. I understand the principles. I understand the doctrines. I understand the truths. I, I understand how the Bible works. I understand all these things. That's not what God's interested in. They had that in the Old Testament. They had the law written on stony tables. They had stony tables of their heart that were instructed, every man his neighbor, you got to do this, you can't do that, you got to keep this, you got to keep that, all of these things. But that's not what God wanted. God wanted a tender heart. God wanted a people that could be moved upon by the Holy Spirit. A people where he could take his word and just by the sweetness of his word write something on your heart that would be forever there. In other words, that he could drop revelation into your life that against which the gates of hell would never prevail against. Not stony hearts, not stony engraving, but tender hearts. Receiving the word that God reveals in your day. Now... We could say David had a stony heart. We could say Isaiah had a stony heart. Were they unbelievers? No, they were believers. But they had not, they were not able to receive a new birth. You know, you say, oh brother Tim, but David had a heart like God's own heart. He did probably as tender as a stony heart could get but yet he needed a change he needed something more that would that only the new testament or the new covenant could provide for him now god could write his word there but that would not produce the full manifestation because a stony heart is only an intellectual understanding of the word now now i just want to say this it's not that they didn't have revelation god came to them god gave them revelation but let me say even before even Saul before he received the new birth he had a stony heart and he was Saul but then he became Paul when he received a change of heart And, and he could be totally fervent in an intellectual understanding of the word with a stony heart but that wasn't good enough God says I don't want your fervency I don't want your stubbornness I don't want your zeal I want you And I want a tender heart. And I want a person that I can speak to just ever so quietly. And that will change your life entirely. I'll just say it this way. God doesn't want to have to hit you hard. Come on. God doesn't want to have to hit you hard. God wants to just be able to speak to you. God wants that you're sensitive to His voice. Jesus said, My sheep know My voice. A stranger they will not follow. So now, Paul would go from, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I know the law. I know exactly what the Scripture... He had it engraved in his stony heart. But he would go from there... To, oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And be made conformable unto his death. That's the desire he had. From the old, I know everything. To the new, oh, he needs to give me more revelation. I can't do anything. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I can't do anything unless he tells me to do it. My, I, 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 I asked him that he would take away my weaknesses, but he said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to do something in your life, but I gotta leave you with a flesh that's weak so that you'll understand it's not you. It's not your intellect. It's not your understanding, even though you have intellect, even though you have understanding, but it's not those things. It's me moving in your life. It's me giving the blessing. You see, a, a stony heart will fail, but when When God writes his word in the new heart, it will not fail. It may stumble, but it will not fail. Amen. When God's word is written on a heart of flesh, when a person has absolutely been changed by the new birth and the spirit of God comes into that. And I just want to say the reason that the Bible says, and and these are principles I know, but we're in kind of the elementary side of, of things. When he says, I give you a new spirit and a new heart. Brother Ram says, many times people get a new spirit. He says, that's your spirit. He says, they get a new spirit. What, what is new? It's a renewing of your spirit. And even, the, even Paul writes about it in Romans 12, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And, and, uh, and so, you know, all of these things now, God gives you, but that's not really the end of it all. He gives you a new spirit. He renews your spirit because he needs to take things out of your spirit. And boy, it sure feels good when he does it. Complexes and scars and things that we've been through in life. You know, and then many times we come to church and we might even be born again, but we still need a renewing of our spirit. We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need a fresh outpouring of God. Come down, Lord. You know, if you ever find yourself heavy coming to church under a load of burden, you need to come into the house of God and say, Lord, renew my spirit. Yeah. Renew my mind. Take this load off of me. I'm heavily burdened. Just just uh, take this away from me. Because Jesus said, "Cast, bring your burdens to me. Cast your cares upon me. For he cares for you. You know, all of these scriptures take up my burden for my burden. My burden is is light and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we've got these things in our lives and we, we get a new spirit. And God does things for us. And it feels wonderful. I love to be renewed in my spirit. I love to get up from prayer and not have a care in the world. Don't you love that? Yes. Every time. I, you can go through things in life and deal with situations and burdens, even in missions and different things, and you don't even know what the answer is, and you just get down on your knees, and then you hit a channel, and you know God's going to take care of it. Yeah. Right. And then you get up as, as I don't know, happy as a lark, I think is an expression, or, you know, as light as anything, and, and you're light as a feather, and you just walk out, and you go, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know God's in control. Right. What is it? That's the renewing of your spirit. But that's not, that's not the new birth. Many times even people before they're born again get renewed in their spirits, get to the altar, they repent of everything, maybe even get, uh, you know, feel like they're justified and I don't want to go into, you know, every little descriptor of it, but they, they, they feel like God You know, they're in the presence of God, and God does something for them. Maybe people even come get delivered from smoking, get delivered from drinking, and get delivered from different things. It's wonderful. But that's not necessarily the new birth. That's a new spirit. And he puts in that new spirit a new heart. Because the heart has to be changed from a stony heart to a fleshly heart. Where he can write his word, but in the middle of all that he says, I'll put my spirit... And that's the key because he's writing his word on fleshly hearts by his spirit amen the purpose is that you would be born again a new spirit a new heart and his spirit in there to begin the process of writing his word now we use the term writing his word of course it's not literally writing out things in your heart where you remember every scripture or whatever every quote or whatever it might be that's not the process but he's molding your character by the preaching of the word to bring you into the stature of jesus christ That's what he's doing because you were meant to be in the stature of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And as we heard this morning, what you were meant to be, he will make sure you get there. Amen? So he births you out of your corrupt nature into an incorrupt nature, puts his spirit in there to lead you through the process of life. I think you use the term will always lead you, will lead you through the purpose of life, through trials. Yes, it'll be some trials, there'll be some hardships, there'll be different things you go through, but it's his spirit in you, leading you, taking you to one place, that's the full measure of the stature of a perfect man. Amen. That's why you can't get the stature of Jesus Christ, but by the new birth and even in, you know, we could uh in Ephesians chapter four, it says uh he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. What for? Not, not just to sit in a church and may, maybe play a tape for you or something. He gave, he gave it into the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. "...for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." Amen. So now we've come all the way from Mount Sinai, the word first coming down in tables of stone, coming down through the new covenant to sons and daughters of God that are born again by the Spirit of God, being a part of the body of God under an anointed ministry that will continually hold the word of God before you so that the Holy Spirit in you will take that word and drop the revelation in your heart till you are completely molded into the stature of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's the process right from beginning to end. That's the purpose of God to bring us back. And of course, you know, we can take all little aspects of that. God has attributes and want to express himself as a healer, a savior, a provider, all of these things. It's all an expression of God's great purpose in the life of the believer. Amen. Hallelujah. So there are, so Paul is describing two things here now. One, the epistle was ministered by Paul, but it was not written by Paul. It was written by the Holy Ghost. So he says, I am, you are an epistle of Christ, and I am ministering that epistle, but I'm not writing it. The Holy Spirit is writing it. Therefore, Paul is saying, the words that I'm speaking to you, they are spirit and life. Amen. When God sends His Word into the age by His anointed servant, no different in this hour, God sent a prophet in this age because there were mysteries that were left off until this age. There was a restoration work that was left off until this age. And so God had to send a vessel of His choosing... Not your choosing, not my choosing, because if it was up to us, if this was a democracy, so-called, and and we we were to vote on who would be the servant of God, we'd all get it wrong. The majority would get it wrong. All of those guys say, well, Brother Tim, Brother Bram said the majority, you know, in the church, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. But you don't choose whom God sends you. This is the will of God. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you do the will of God. And this is the will of God that you receive whom he sends. And so God sends somebody and it's up to you to receive it. Jesus, God came down in flesh. He came that all Israel had to do was receive it. Here it is, the words that I'm speaking to you, they are spirit and they are life. And all Israel had to do was to receive it. And and they said, look, we don't need to receive you. We got Bibles. We don't need you. We got Bibles. We got Moses. We got the prophets. We don't need to receive you. And what did they have? Stony hearts. Because God was taking the word of Moses and making it live right before them. And so is God taking his word in this hour and has done it and made it live right before the people. Amen. What for? Did the people have to figure out? God's not asking to figure it out. I'm so glad for that. I'm glad I didn't have to figure it out. But one thing God is saying, I sent you a message. All you got to do is say amen to it. And I'm not talking blindly saying amen. I'm just saying embrace it as it is revealed to you. Jeremiah put it this way. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they will be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So Jeremiah writing it here, he says, it's no longer going to be an intellectual understanding. Everybody's teaching their neighbor, this is the law and this is the do's and this is the don'ts and this is how it all works and this is how our nation operates. It's not going to be like that. He says, I'll put my spirit in you and I'll give you a new heart and I will write my word upon your heart. And listen, if the word is fully written upon your heart, then that means the Word has become flesh again. And when the Word was flesh the first time, it was a certain stature. That was Jesus Christ. And when the Word is written again, it produces Jesus Christ again. Deity in flesh. Go to unveiling of God and look at the things that Brother Branham said there about it. Some tremendous, tremendous things. All right. He's still with me? Amen. Well, we're going we're gonna to try and get out of here in a good time. But I have to shift gears. For the perfecting of the saints, the Bible says. Only, word, only place in the Bible that word is used, that form of that word, perfecting of the saints. If it were possible for a person to reach this place, Without the Holy Ghost, it would have happened before Jesus. It's not possible. The only way you get there is by the new birth. The only way the stature is built in you is by the Holy Ghost. And so, you know, from all the way from Adam, all the way through to Malachi, all the way up to John the Baptist... Everyone proved there was a flaw somewhere, but there was only one sacrifice accepted, one perfect lamb, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one that was the perfect stature that we're all called to, and so the he, he is. And then Jesus, the Bible says, just a little hot right here, but I don't mean temperature-wise. I mean the sound system. But uh, you know, Jesus. Being that perfect stature of Christ. Now, he he says he ascended up on high and gave these gifts unto men. And he would put into the church these five, this five, what we call the fivefold ministry. Brother Branham called it the fivefold ministry. And then this ministry would begin the perfecting work of God in the church. So now let me just say the perfecting work is not the new birth. The new birth is the perfecting in that you are perfect in the sight of God, as you heard this morning. You know, when God births you, he doesn't see no sin anymore. You are justified as though you never did it in the first place. But this word perfecting is completing or bringing to a maturity or bringing to the fullness of the intent. And so there's a a perfecting going on in the body that God through seven church ages would bring the church to a stature that was perfect like the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it means to thoroughly complete. It comes from the word perfect or to complete. And it's it's very interesting the usage of it in the Bible. If you just allow me to, Lord willing, expound on it just a moment here. In the book of Matthew, I find it some of the usage of this words to be tremendous. Jesus finds two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. and they're in a ship with Zebedee, their father. The Bible says, mending their nets, but that's the same word perfect. So they're making their nets perfect. In other words, something had happened to the nets. They had been in the water, they had fished, maybe the net had ripped here, it had ripped there. Now it was going to require a labor to put it back together properly and bring it to a place where it is usable once again. Listen, you're born into this world and you go through things in your life like we all do as human beings. And God saw that there was a purpose in that. But when the Holy Spirit comes to you with his word. His, perfect, his purpose is to perfect you. Or is to mend all those broken things. Hallelujah. You can come to Christ as broken as broken can be. But the purpose of God's Word is He will mend those things. He will tie those loose ends back together. He will make sure that nothing will fall through the net anymore of your life. And, and He'll be able, to, if you allow Him and the ministry of your Word, and I guess this is just to encourage you, when you come to church, the service might seem just ever so simple, like tonight. And it might just be something that you're just feeling like, well, there's not a whole lot of debt there, But there's a purpose of it in God's mending something or God's restoring something or God's bringing something back to its rightful condition. And so God has a purpose, and so as a result, he puts gifts into the body for that purpose. And one might be an evangelist, and another might be a teacher, another might be a pastor, and and they might bring their particular gift to the forefront. And sometimes, depending on where we are in our spiritual life, this is just down home now, where we are in our spiritual life, we might say, I like a pastoral ministry the best. Or if we're maybe just a new Christian, I like an evangelistic ministry the best. Or maybe I I like a teaching ministry the best because I've been in the way a long time and I like to hear the deeper things of God or whatever. We all have preferences at different levels in life, but they're for a purpose. No one gift is complete in itself. Amen. I'm glad for that because I can be the least of all the preachers and still know I got a place. Praise the Lord. Every one of the ministry has a place. It might be ever so simple, but it's for somebody. I'm always marveled, and I maybe shouldn't say it this way, but I'll I'll walk out of a service and think, forgive me for saying this. You've never done this, but I've done this. I didn't get much out of that service. Wasn't much in there for me. And I'll run into somebody and they'll say, oh, that was so good. I, I just, I was so blessed by that service. And I'm like, Well, praise the Lord. God's moving. (laughs) Amen. That's just the way God operates. You think, you think we sit up here super spiritual and we're, and and we're getting something out of it from beginning to end. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But sometimes there's just those kind of services even for preachers. I know none of you have ever sat through a service and said, no, I never got nothing out of that. I'm the only one that's gone through it, right? But you know what? It's for somebody. And I'm just glad to be in the presence of the Lord. And know I'm just glad to show where I'm identified. I'm just glad to be here and say, Lord, I'm here. You're here. It doesn't matter who's standing here. Lord, I can get a little something out of the service. Even if it's just to be in the atmosphere and know that you're still alive. Amen. Amen. So God prepares things. God deals with things. You know, the The same word is used in Romans chapter 9. It says, What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, made perfect for destruction? Oh well, my, that isn't what we would think that word would be. But there, there it is now. God's God doesn't just destroy something for no reason. God allows it to become to a perfect or a mature or a complete preparation for destruction. Just like he let Abraham and Israel wait to go and possess the land because the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full or had not come to completion. Or even though God knew it was headed in that direction. There would come a time where they would be driven out of the land because of their sin. But God says even destruction, even iniquity has a maturity. And so God will even allow things to go on for a season. You see, he's long suffering, not willing that any would perish. And he'll labor with people and he'll work. I always marvel at how God had mercy on Ahab. Knowing where Ahab was going to end up, but God had mercy on him. He, ha- he had a place and God was going to show him as an example and, and different places. And so is it in people's lives. You know, we are so quick to judge. I remember one time, and it keeps coming back to my memory, Brother Branham was in a a little, um, a little restaurant that he ended up on Sunday morning because the restaurant he was using the rest of the week was closed on Sundays. And so he ended up in, in like a, a diner, and it was a pretty rough place, and there was drinking going on, and there was gambling going on, and and, and immorality was going on, and, and he stood at the door, and he looked at it, and it just offended him to no end. And he thought, oh God, why don't you just wipe the whole thing off? Why don't you just, that's the way we are. It's like the sons of Zebedee. As they said, Lord, as they were rejected from a city, Lord, is it your will that we would call down fire from heaven and destroy the city? And Jesus says, you don't even know what spirit you're of. And so we as human beings, we can jump to conclusions about judgment. But God is long-suffering. He's very patient and very merciful. And even as we look at the age that we're living in, and the insanity of the age. And I have to marvel at, you just have to read the regular news. You don't have to go anywhere exotic. Just read the regular front page of the news and you see all of the insanity in people's minds and all the ideas of what they're promoting and all of those kind of things. And you, and you have to marvel at the long-suffering of God. But now let me just say, aren't you glad He was long-suffering with you? And you're not a vessel fitted to destruction. But you went through the wayward part of your life. And I, I, I'm thinking of individuals of you particularly. How you went down the road and were away from God. And, and rejecting the counsel of your parents. If you were raised in the message and you went off into the world. And all of those things. But God never wrote you off. Hallelujah. I'm glad God never wrote me off. I'm glad that he's long suffering. I'm glad that my iniquity never came to perfection. I'm glad that he allowed it to go on, always, always convicting me, always bringing me back. But then one day the word came by my way and quickened me as we heard this morning and he found me. How he found me, I don't know, because it seemed like he wasn't hearing my cry. But one day he answered my cry and says, come on, son, I got something for you. He opened my eyes, delivered me from the things that bound me and allowed me to walk in the realms of his righteousness only by his grace. I'm glad he found me. I'm glad he suffered long with me. I'm glad he was patient with me. Parents, be patient with your children. Come on, be patient with your children. God's a big God. He'll go after them. I was just on my knees for my family this week, as I am every week. But, you know, I was just on my knees saying, Lord, you're bigger than I am. I was just going down through the scripture. You found Moses on the backside of the desert. Lord, you spoke to David out there when he killed the lion and the bear. Lord, you dealt with different individuals down through the scripture. You found them. You brought a Rahab in. You brought a Tamar in. You brought a Ruth in. You brought all these different ones in. Nobody went out and found them. You found them. Hallelujah. And every one of my children are yours. You will find them. Not me. I can't save them. But God can save them. And He's a big God. And I'm so glad He's long-suffering. Hallelujah. He's certainly more long-suffering than I am. Hallelujah. So thankful, Lord. So thankful. So there's a process. It's a process. I'm glad it wasn't just one moment. You know, when you're born again, God doesn't drop every engraving in your heart. It would kill you. People would call you insane. If you went from where you were in the world, I'm just thinking myself, to where I am today, they would have certainly said I lost my mind. And I probably would have. But God, little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept here a little there a little hallelujah god brings it all into order we think we've heard it all and then we come to a service and god just drops something in there we have a pastor that's preached since the beginnings of the message easily since i don't know how when did you start preaching the 50s when did you start preaching brother ed When you're about 20. So that was 65 years ago. 64 years ago. 64 years ago. So about the 50s we'll say. In the 50s. You would think. I don't mean to tell on you. Maybe turn your hearing aids off for a minute. Um, <laughs> but you know he was just saying in the room before the service. He says you see something and it's like. Bang, why didn't I ever see that before? That's that's 65 years, 64 years of ministry. And you think, oh, he's preached everything. He's covered it all. But you know what? That's the way it is with ministry. It's line upon line. God's constantly, because God's infinite. And he's bringing everything into position. He's even bringing the body of Christ into position. <laughs> I've been in Cloverdale now since 2012. Hard to believe. Of course I was originally came from Cloverdale, but I mean, uh, this, this last journey of my earthly journey, seven years here, that's a good number. And, uh, you know, probably when I got here, there was some of you that didn't like me. And maybe there's still some of you that like me. Matter of fact, there might have been somebody that liked me that now doesn't like me. I don't know but it's a process you know even as we come together as a body of Christ we look at someone else in the body of Christ and then one day excuse me for saying it this way one day it dawns on us oh there is a reason for him (laughs) (laughs) or there is a reason for her (laughs) praise the Lord I'm glad they're part of the body I hope that's dawned on somebody about me Oh, there is a reason for him. But, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. That you be perfectly joined together. In the same mind and in the same judgment. A while back, I, I preached upon, I, I mentioned that in preaching and I said, you know, that's a lot of the labor of the ministry. Brother Branham was saying that is to try and get the people into one mind so the spirit can move. Now that's actually the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the body. You see that we come into the unity of the faith, that we come together in the same frame being, being united, perfectly joined together in the same mind Oh, wouldn't this be wonderful and in the same judgment? Now that would be a powerful church That that is somebody would say, well, what do you think about this certain situation and what do you think about this certain situation and what do you think about it and what do you think about it and what do you think about it? and What do you think about it and what do you think about it? And, about it? and they get the same answer from every person. The same answer. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That'd be the Holy Spirit. That'd be not not a bunch of not a bunch of robots. That'd be the Holy Spirit. They say, well, you know, that's written right in the Word because all you'd have then is a word answer. So it's a word being molded in our lives. In Galatians chapter six and verse one, it talks about others in the in the in the body that I'm running out of time. Others in the body that are overtaken by a fault. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. You that are spiritual, I'll say, say amen if you're spiritual. Oh, you think it's a trick question, don't you? (laughs) You that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. That word restore is kind of ambiguous because it's actually the word perfect. My, you that are spiritual, perfect such a one. My, bring him up a little higher, reach out to him and, or her and say, do you know the error of your ways? You know, don't, don't be, you know, there's sometimes it can be just in the simple things. I I was, I was amazed. I was listening to a quote, listening to a message and brother Brown talked about, he says, now the pastor came to me, he says, and, and, uh, he says, it says this sister in his church, he says she never wore eyeshadow or lipstick or anything like that. He says, but she said after last night's service, she said to the pastor, she says, I'm never gonna wear pancake makeup again. And I had to ask my wife, what is pancake makeup? I'm sure it's not like flour and eggs and things that go into pancakes. And, and she says, no, 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 it's like a foundation thing and, and, and then somebody else told me, you know, they have these little round things and they dab it and they put it on their face and whatever and, and, uh, all that kind of stuff. But, but here she says, I'm never gonna wear that pancake or foundation or whatever again, she says. And Brother Branham says to her, because he didn't know her, but the pastor told him, he says, God bless you, sister, you're closer to the kingdom of God. Oh my. So now something spoke to her, something as simple as that. Something spoke to her and said, you know, you're not, you're not into the mascara. I think that's the right word. And the, and the, the eyeliner and the eyeshadow and the lipstick. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm working hard to remember these words. And all of these things, you just got a little something to make your blemishes go away. Just a little pancake makeup. And then, and then she, something in the service convicted her. And she see, what is it? It's God writing his word on her heart. And she was moved and convicted and says, I gotta let this stuff go. I gotta quit worrying. You see, the reason in my mind, this is just brother Tim, The reason in my mind that women wear makeup, of course our sisters don't wear makeup, but the reason that women wear makeup is because they care too much about what other people think of them. Stop worrying what other people think of you and worry about what God thinks of you. That's the most important thing. And so she she put that away, and Brother Branham commented right over the pulpit. God bless you, you're closer to the kingdom of God. So so there was something in the word that was necessary to bring this sister to a more perfect image of Jesus Christ. All right, so so when he when it says if someone be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, perfect such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Amen. So there's a moving amongst the body that there's those that are spiritual that are helping this work of the Holy Spirit in perfecting our lives. Are you still with me? All right. He says, Paul says, praying for the church in 1 Thessalonians 3 says, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Amen. So there's a lack in somebody's faith or a lack in revelation. He says, and my prayer is that uh, we might see you. Our desire is to see you. That we might minister the word to you and inspire you to a higher level of faith. That's why we go on the mission field. Amen. Not because it feel good. Not because it, it, cause we're anybody." Not because we're trying to preach a certain doctrine or something like that. But because you want to take to people the importance of the message of the hour. When they don't have the message, especially in their language, you want to preach the message in such a way that will give them a desire to get into the message. Oh, are those kind of things in the message? Is that what the message says? Is that what Brother Branham said? Is that what's revealed? I want to read that for myself i want to get into it i want to search it out whether it's whether it's this message or that message the seals the church ages uh, christ the mystery of god reveal unveiling of god i was just listening to the last part of the message leadership this afternoon because i had read some quotes in it i just wanted to listen to the tone of brother bradham's voice and how that he said it in the last message that he preached before communion and before god took him off the earth that was something that was moving him very much as a matter of fact The one thing that moved him a lot was that you would be free from your stony heart. He says, the church, and I'll read it to you in just a moment. The church needs that. And God has a... I'm so glad for the sovereignty and the wisdom of God. I'm coming to a close here. Praise the Lord. Says The Bible says in Hebrews 10, he says... Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. We're familiar with that scripture. And we know that that body was the Lord Jesus Christ. But to say that a body thou hast prepared me, we could also say a body thou hast perfected for me. That's just coming from the same word. So there was a perfection in the bringing of the Messiah on the earth. God didn't just, Adam was lost and then God just, uh, you know, made a Messiah and came down in flesh and redeemed all humanity. No, there was a perfection or a completion. Or working out of His purpose in all of it. There had to be an expression of attributes. There had to be a lineage from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. On down to, to Moses and David. And on down to Solomon and the lineage of David. And we could go back to Boaz and Ruth. And all of those things. God was perfecting the coming of the Messiah. A body thou hast perfected me. I, god chose a nation god chose certain influences into that nation and it wasn't just physical influences because of course the body was a creation the body was a creation in the womb of mary it wasn't a a, a seed of a man it wasn't that neither was the egg of mary as though it came from israel but he wasn't jew he wasn't gentile he was god He was the second Adam created. He was the spoken word seed of God, created into the womb of a woman. But there had to be a process that God brought into existence to bring a Mary into existence, to have a womb, to bring a nation that would have certain influences, that he would bring out the word of God in that nation and would bring the whole thing to perfection. Hallelujah. God knows what he's doing. And God knows what he's doing in your life. And and sometimes we might go through certain things and wonder, well, I've been in the message now for so many years. And I was talking to somebody the other day. And I said, actually, if you take even a man in his maturity, I says there's a a cycle of a man's life is seven years. And he has to go through seven cycles to get to 49 years. And by the time he's 49 years old on to 50 years old, I says he's coming to the time of perfect maturity. He's coming to the time where God has taken him through things. You look at Brother Brown's life. It was that way. Uh, excuse me for saying it this way. If you go back to the history of your own pastor, you'll find out his ministry really begin to change in his fifties and God begins to take a man because those are the man's most fruitful years. It seems like mostly between 50 and 60 because God's bringing a certain maturity. Well, why doesn't God just cut him loose at 20 or 25 or 30? Or or take sevens, uh, uh, 21 or 28 or 35 or 42. Why is that? Because God has a process. God has something that He's working out. And when God's working something out, it is perfect. And God has a perfection or a maturity for each and every one of us. It's either amen or it's oh my I, I i thought well i could just come to church tonight and get totally free from everything and walk out of here perfect you're perfect in christ god looks at you and says they're spotless but god also says i have a plan for their life and their life and their gift and their ministry is going to come to maturity to the place that I'm going to place it in the body and use it the way I want to use it. Someone was talking to me the other day. says, I just want to find the perfect will of God. I was talking to them. I said, well, you're not there yet. And they said, What? I said, I've just been listening to you. I said, you're too busy negotiating with God. I said, there's only one way to find the perfect will of God in your life. And that is come to your garden of Gethsemane and say, not my will, but thy will be done. When we die out completely to ourselves, then God reveals himself. When we're too busy working it out, trying to figure it all out, negotiating with God... See, that's why God has to bring a maturity is that He wants to bring us to the perfection of a surrender in our lives to realize whatever way God leads, that's exactly the way I want to go. Amen. And don't worry, you don't have to wait to 50 to get to that place. Praise the Lord. All the young people said, amen. Amen. (laughs) That's all right. So Peter says it this way, But the grace of all God, who has called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. There it is. Brother Branham goes into the church age book. He says, God has a reason in the things that we go through. He says, if not, he would be the author of frustration. He says, and his his purpose is to make you perfect, to establish, to strengthen and settle you. To show you who you really are in God's perfect will in your life. To bring you to that place. And it's all part of why he brings his word by your way. He says, I birthed you that you could have a heart that was receptive to the word. So that when I could have someone preach the word, it could be written by the Holy Spirit upon that heart. And bring you ever closer, word by word, line upon line, as the musicians come. Precept upon precept every little bit to bring you more and more day by day, word by word, message by message, service by service. Why are we still here? He's still molding us. Aren't you glad? I'm glad he's still molding us. I don't feel like I'm there yet. Paul says this. I count myself not to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, laying aside the things that are in the past, I press towards the mark. As we heard this morning, for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. I've got it somewhere that I'm going to. And I thank God that I'm not where I used to be. And I lay those things aside and I still realize God's pushing me forward. Amen. It's in the message leadership as we close. And the musicians come. Brother Branham's just winding it up. And... uh, and he's, he's, there's a prophecy. And he says, and he picks it up and he says, there's things that need to be done. So now it's with you. And he begins to sing, just as I am without one plea. And He says, and then he quotes the scripture. He says, I'll take away that stubborn heart and put a heart of flesh in it That would yield to me. He's not actually having an altar call. This is in the message leadership in Covina, California. But he calls it an altar call. And why don't you just play that just as I am. Without one plea. And he says, will you make your choice tonight? You can do either one. You want to. You say, I've heard that before. But this might be your last time to hear it. He says, the old-fashioned altar calls, they're out of style today, but God still moves in them. I don't actually find where he calls people to the altar here. But make the altar your heart tonight. What kind of a heart do you have? Where are you with the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, can't you feel it moving on you, church? And then it says, Brother Branham begins humming. He says, oh, think today, The hearts are becoming stony, filled with the world, indifferent, church members, lukewarm, like the rich young ruler. Of course, in the message leadership, it was all about the rich young ruler. He says, and don't know the great Holy Spirit standing, knocking at the door in this Laodicean age. He that will hear my voice will open his heart I'll come in to him and will sup with him. And then he refers to the prophecy and he says the spirit speaking through this brother a few minutes ago said, I'll take that stony heart out of you and I'll give you a heart of flesh, tender towards God. Don't, he says, look how it's become now. And this is a tremendous statement. It says just an intellectual emotion A lot of times when we think intellectual, it's not emotional. And when we think emotional, it's not intellectual. But he says an intellectual emotion. He says, not a tender heart full of love and sweetness towards Christ. Then he pauses as the piano is playing. He says, don't you want that kind of a heart? How are you going to face Christ with an intellectual conception of him? You've got to accept eternal life. The preparation was made through the blood. What did he do? He shed his blood and he's now bidding you to come. He says, let's each Christian just raise our hands quietly now and pray. And then he prays and he prays, oh God, please, Lord, catch this day that we're living in. Oh it's so hard father. Listen, if he's talking about the church becoming stony by becoming worldly and indifferent back then, how much worse is it today? The pressures of life and the the distractions. I was I was just out on Vancouver Island last week and for a few days with the family and I would go down to the water, the ocean and just stand there in the early morning hours after the sun was up and just stand there and listen. To the sounds of the lapping water and no no traffic no people no we had got a place that was kind of out in the wilderness a little bit and and uh, we were just resting our thoughts and I was just standing there thinking oh God this is the way it was meant to be not the pressures of life not the constant inundation of social media and news media and the day to day rubbing shoulders with the world and going to work and you brothers know what that's like and rubbing shoulder with the stuff that's out there in the world and, and, and having to deal with all that kind of stuff wasn't meant to be like that. Don't let it harden you. Don't let it make your heart stony. Don't let it take you to a place where God can't come in the stillness of the moment and write something He wants to write on your tender heart. Be careful in your relationship with God. He says, I he says, Oh Lord God, please catch this day we're living in. It's so hard, Father. Satan has done so much to the people. Their hearts have become stony. Your spirit speaks right out. Your word comes forward. Vindicate. But the old fashioned born-again experience, it's become into a denominational intellectual conception a lot of music a lot of shout a lot of carrying on but really that heart of flesh that eternal life it's certainly become foreign to the church i don't think it's foreign to you as we bow our heads together i don't think it's something in the stillness of the moment in the sweetness of the holy spirit that's just now hovering over your life you've all we've all been through things pressures of the world experiences family culture different things that cause scars and complexes don't you just want to say tonight Lord take that out of my life Lord I want my heart to be tender towards you tonight Maybe there's somebody that God's dealing with tonight that says, this was just for me tonight. And I want to raise my hand and just say, Lord, I'm coming, Lord, just as I am, without one plea, without one excuse, without one reasoning, without one negotiation. Lord, I'm I'm just coming to lay my entire nature at your feet. Lord, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. As we're going to go to prayer, why don't you just raise your hand? Say, Lord, that's me. Don't let me get hard, Lord. Don't let my heart become hardened. Don't let there be anything between me and you. If I'm not at the place that I, I, if I need to be at Gethsemane tonight, then Lord, let it be not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I give myself to you tonight. If you're a sinner here tonight, you've never had the new birth in your life you never, you don't know what it is to get a new spirit and a new heart you, and to have his spirit come in and fill you and write his word upon your heart. Why don't you just surrender yourself to God tonight? Young person, old person, it doesn't matter. I don't know who you are, but why don't you just commit yourself to God and say, Lord, I come without one plea tonight. I come giving myself to you, surrendering my all into your hands. Heavenly Father, Lord, I join my voice tonight with the voice of your prophet in 1965 who said, Lord, this age is so hardening and so taking people to a place of hardness. But Lord, you've sent ministry into the church. You've sent your servants, O oh God, to constantly bring your word before your people just like tonight and say, Oh child of mine, don't become hard. Let your heart be tender. I want to write on it. I want to put the statue of Jesus Christ into your life. I want to mold you in a greater way than I've ever molded you before. Oh, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We give everything that we are to you, Lord, without without condition, without reservation, without something within ourselves that would hold back, but say, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. Oh, Savior, just come and move through this congregation tonight. Just take complete control. And I pray, Lord, that as, as we give this prayer to you that lord you'll hear the cry of your children saying lord if there's somebody here tonight that's never been changed lord come down now take out the old spirit take out the old heart of stone and lord fill them with your spirit oh god giving them a new spirit and a new heart and quickening their soul with the quickening of your resurrection oh god lord i give them into your hands and let every son and daughter of god be renewed tonight lord to just be sensitive to your Holy Spirit in their lives. write within our hearts your precious word we pray. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand together. I just want to turn, turn the song over to Spirit of God Move. Write your word in my heart if we can start on the course. Spirit Move. Write your word in my heart. it takes is your decision that's all God's waiting for I've had a number of people say to me lately excuse me for saying this Esther but said brother Tim something's happened to your daughter I said yeah it was one night where we sat in the Found the I said it's your decision. I said, You make the right decision right now, and your life will change. And from that moment, we've seen a growth. From that time, it all it took was a decision. Not I'm talking about a decision for Christ or decision what you bought, just a decision to say, Lord, I'm yours. Maybe there's one person here tonight, one young person I've sat. Listen, I've sat here in the service. I'm sure these other brothers have too. you know, when we sit, (laughs) it's kind of funny because people in the balcony thinks it's private, but when you're sitting there, you're looking at the balcony and I've often sat in the balcony and watched people laugh. I'm just going to turn this way for a while here. People laugh and rib each other and, and, uh, you know, make little funnies up in the pulpit while somebody, up in the pla- up in the balcony when somebody's preaching. And I'm like, Lord, get a hold of that person. It might be your night tonight to just say, you know what? I'm fed up with it. I'm just fed up with what the world has to offer. Hello? I'm just tired of it all. I'm just going to make my decision right now for Christ. I'm just going to say, Lord, I'm yours. As we sing that chorus once again together, I don't care if you come to the altar. I don't care if you do it where you're seated. I don't care if you raise your hands. I don't care if you go home and do it in the privacy of your room. But why don't you just make a decision and say, You know what, devil? I'm just tired of it. I'm just done with it. From this night on, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Spirit of God, move. Yes, Lord. Lord Spirit of God Move An empty vessel I want to be So that you Can come Oh Lord, And fill me Oh sing it with all your hearts Once again Oh Spirit of God Move Write your word will be consume my life Yes Lord Spirit of God. Father Lord if this service was for one person it would be worthwhile just to see one soul come to the revelation of who they are in Jesus Christ but Lord all of us as believers whether young old or just a few years it doesn't matter don't let us Don't let our hearts become hardened by the age that we're living in, Lord. Keep us tender. And we say with that song, write your word in our hearts. Don't stop writing, Lord. Don't stop, Lord. We want to be completely in the image of your word, ready for the rapture ready for the catching away. We don't want to be one sentence short. We don't want to be one period short of what you want to write, Lord. But we surrender our lives afresh tonight. Write your word in our hearts. And don't let anything hinder it, Lord. Take away every obstacle, every hindrance, everything, Father, that you're not pleased with that we might walk in the footsteps that you have appointed for us we give ourselves to you we commit this service to you, this church to you take the simple thought tonight and just anchor it within the heart of everyone that you sent it for and may you bless your children with revelation upon revelation in the days ahead Lord, every word that they hear, every scripture that they read Lord, they might just read one scripture, but Lord, may it become an explosive, motivating force within their lives. Oh, Lord, write your word in our hearts. We love you. We thank you for this time we could have together. Bless each one. Keep each one safe. If we would meet again in a few weeks or if you would take us over on the other side, we commit our lives to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You love him? Amen. Amen. We love his word. We love each other. God bless you. Shake hands with someone you love. Wish them God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.